The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your very own smartphone. See their limited edition giant silver Tribble available for pre-order today at sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is Gates McFadden, who played Dr. Beverly Crusher from Star Trek The Next Generation, and you're listening to the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. Adjudication Officer Pod Fleet Command. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant in the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings to you, Trekkies, Trekkers, and Trek Geeks all over the planet, and welcome to episode number 287 of the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and we are so happy and psyched to have you here as we are now just under two weeks away from Las Vegas on the 56-year mission tour. And of course, by me, I do mean my co-host and I. You know, this week, we're going to rank things. We don't do it very often. We're going to do it our own special way. But if I were going to rank him uh, as you know, hosts on the Trek Geeks podcast, he'd probably come in at about number seven. He is the plummeting Dan Davidson. And Dan, it's great to have you here. Your rank. <laughs> Good to see you, pal. Thanks, that, that thanks was for that. dumb. Thanks for that. Well, that's because it's me. But um, thanks for that wonderful, <laughs> wonderful uh, introduction, as always. I always just love just watching you on camera to see what you're going to come with. Because, ladies and gentlemen, they are not scripted. They come off the top of his head right at the moment that he says it. And they're always fantastic. They're always wrong, but they're fantastic. And I appreciate the effort. It's always in, in your first person that they're wrong. In my first person, <laughs> they are alarmingly correct. That's what makes it so fun, isn't it? Uh, it's it's great that, to be here, that man. Is, you, you, yeah. you, did, <laughs> you did mention we're going to be ranking things uh, for this week's episode. And first of all, so this is like the first uh, episode that we're actually back-to-back, week-to-week, uh, since we had our tribute to Nichelle last week, which was a, a very nice episode. We've gotten some great feedback from that, and thank you, everyone. Uh, but now we're here week to week, almost every week, because we got Vegas. So at, right after we start week to week, Bill, we're going to actually be taking a week off pretty soon. So that's kind of funny. Um, but we're going to rank stuff this week. And why not rank our top five all-time Star Trek episodes? we got lots to choose from nowadays with all the new stuff coming along. So that's what we're going to do today, buddy. 
Now, we recognize that, you know, anytime you, you look to rank something, invariably there could be a comparison to another very popular podcast by a dear friend of ours that does nothing but rank things. Um, we love Trek ranks. This isn't going to be Trek Not ranks. at all. No five words, no hashtag, but... You know, a lot of people ask us, you know, what are your favorite episodes, especially when we meet at, at conventions or even online. And so we're going to answer those questions today. Mm -hmm. um, you have a list. I have a list. And then uh, we'll go through them and we'll uh, we'll see. We'll see what it is, because I don't know that I know what yours are. And I, I will I will say one thing, you know, so that you want to know how the sausage is made. I'm going to actually tell you a little bit right now is I actually we were actually going to do this episode a while ago, um, but things happened. So we, we kind of push it off. So I did a list for myself back then. It has changed since I originally oh. did it. So a little sneak peek, if you will. Uh -huh. Curiouser and curiouser. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, we were going to do this for virtual TrekCon. Exactly. Um, and then our professional lives blew up mm -hmm. um, with a, a ransomware attack at, at our employer. And you and I spent the next three months working ungodly hours. Yes, we did. Um, so, you know, we, we kept the list. We had to bow out of doing the, the, the virtual TrekCon, which, which was a bummer. Um, but we'll do something else for them someday in the future. But uh, this week, top fives, baby. Top five. And we may even have some similarities. I'm kind of thinking maybe... I think I know at least one will be in the ballpark. <laughs> I'm thinking, yep. At least so, uh, take me out to the Hollow Suite. No, no, <laughs> not in my top five. No, not in my top five either. But it was baseball reference, so I thought I'd throw it out there. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. See, I'm teaching you all good stuff about sports. Yeah, no, you're teaching me nothing. Dan, it's that time of the show. We want to take a, a moment to thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Yeah, we sure want to thank them for not only the amazing customer service they provide, uh, but also for the incredible Star Trek pins and deltas that they produce. And you can find all these new awesome new pins right now at Fansets.com. The Bajoran Militia Badge. The Star Trek Prodigy Delta and both of these, buddy, are in pin and magnetic form. You can also find the DS9, or for those of you who like to say the Voyager Mini Delta, uh, the Women of Trek Tendy Pin, the Women of Trek Shauna Pin, yes, from one of my favorite episodes ever, you know, Gamesters, um, and the amazing Strange New Worlds Memorial Pin Collection. Now, this is a beautiful set of 12 pins which memorialize, star memorialize, memorialize starships <laughs> destroyed or otherwise lost in the line of duty. And they come straight from Strange New Worlds and also comes in a beautiful display case. But you have to act fast because there's only going to be 150 sets available to purchase at fansets.com. And another 100 will be available at the 56-year mission tour in Vegas in just a couple of weeks, buddy. Now, just to clarify, who wrote this copy? Now, that would be me. And I did copy the memorialized Starships Destroy, blah, 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 right from fansets.com. I didn't <laughs> talk it out first, and maybe I should have. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one correction. There's one other thing I'd like to correct you on, Dan. There are uh, only at least 148 right. sets available at, at fansets.com because you and I have already purchased and have ours in hand. Correct, my friend. 
So everyone else, you know what I'm going to say. I'm not going to correct you at all, but head on over to fansets.com. Put that memorial pin collection, a whole bunch of other pins and accessories in your cart. And at checkout, be sure to enter the special discount code word TrekGeeks for 10% off your entire order. That's Trek Geeks in all capital letters with no spaces. And of course, don't forget, when you spend more than 30 bucks on fansets.com, you will automatically get free shipping in the United States. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Memorialize. That almost sounds very Shatner-esque. Memorialize. Memorialize. <laughs> very nice. I hit him with a neural memorializer. <laughs> sounds very good. Thank you. Thank you. So, friends, if you haven't checked out the Galaxy's first interactive Tribble from Science Division, I got to say, I said it before, you are really missing out. You know, you really are. This officially licensed Tribble is just an amazing high-quality Star Trek collectible, which we know you're going to be proud to add to your collection. Dan and I both have one, and we truly love our Tribbles. Just so much work and creativity went into creating this Tribble 2, right down to the softest fur you can possibly imagine. Plus, the sounds that your Tribble makes are straight out of the original series. You're going to swear that this Tribble was delivered straight from Space Station K7 right to your door. And Plus, the Science Division Tribble has its own app that you can use to control the Tribble. It's not necessary, but it sure is a lot of fun to make it scream at people like annoying podcast co-hosts. Fret not, however. Everyone except Bill knows... That's right. You guessed it. As Bill Belichick would say, uh, tribbles are not dangerous. Wow. I don't think he'd say that. He wouldn't say anything. But No, he'd but, say we're, we're on to Quadro Triticale. But our friend would say, tribbles are not dangerous, Bill. Your friend. So head on over to sciencediv.com right now to pick up one of the galaxy's first interactive tribbles for your very own. Plus, while you're there, check out their new and improved shop accessory section. You can get all kinds of Science Division swag, like t-shirts and mugs, or even the legendary Science Division tote bag. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. Hi, Dr. Phil Flox here, also known as John Billingsley. I volunteer for the Hollywood Food Coalition. We serve terrific meals to the unhoused seven nights a week, we assist 100 nonprofits with their food needs. We work with community partners to address food insecurity in Southern California. If you're in L.A., come and volunteer with us at hofoco.org volunteer. And any Federation credits you can spare go a long way. Dan, here we are. Um, I've invited a special guest to our recording. It is living room air conditioner, so that's the noise you hear behind <laughs> me. Um, it is summertime, and it has been warm. Yeah. So um, uh, here we are. So for those listening, um, and we'll try to mitigate that noise as best we can, but know that that's the dull roar you hear eh, in the background. Eh, it's, it could just be me breathing hard. You never know. That's very true. Yeah. So as we start to think about our all-time top five episodes. We should probably point out that this was almost a panel for Vegas. Yeah. And ultimately, we decided to submit Stump the Geek Live, which we thought would have better crowd participation. Um, but let's take a moment to talk about Vegas, because Creation yeah. Entertainment's 56-year mission is coming up in less than two weeks. Yikes. 
at Bally's Hotel and Casino on the Las Vegas Strip. Bally's. And um, we have it on good authority from the co-founder of Creation that that show, Dan, is almost sold out. That's amazing. It is. I'm so excited about that because, you know, the last one that sold out was the 50th. Um but, you know, we've had COVID and there, there, there yeah. was a convention last year. Unfortunately, we had to cancel the last minute and, and we felt really bad about that. But to know that so many people want to get back to their Star Trek family to enjoy a week of, of fun and, and frivolity, I guess you could say. I'm yeah. super excited that it's almost sold out. And I'm also super excited that we don't have to worry about it because we're already all set with our tickets. we are so if you're looking for tickets i mean you gotta you gotta act quickly some of the single days are sold out i know saturday is sold out Mm -hmm. um you might be able to to find some online to buy maybe in some buy sell groups like the one on facebook but uh i mean they also keep adding guests dan i mean they've got now got five cast members from star trek strange new worlds including celia rose gooding who was added uh yesterday as we record this as the 136th guest of the convention so excited um my wallet is not as excited because (laughs) as like you i'm going to have a strange new world poster autographed with as many cast members as we can get paul wesley was announced as well oh that's right i'm Um, sorry six my apologies captain kirk uh will be there as well um so yeah it's uh i think it's fantastic that they're adding some more names as the convention draws closer and closer and i wouldn't be surprised if we get a couple more before the next 10 days is out i'm sure hoping i mean they they are still adding normally they're not still adding guests at this point mm-hmm. uh, they did last year when they had to have you know a whole bunch of cancellations but uh it, it's shaping up to be one heck of a convention so get yourself over to creationent.com Check out the ticket situation. Uh, we guarantee this is going to be one you're not going to want to miss. So that leaves us for the panel we almost did, Dan, which is our top fives. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit first about how you put this list together. Uh, did you just pick the five episodes you love the most or the five that you would watch, you know, if those were the only five left in existence or, or what was your kind of your thought part yes. process? <laughs> all right thanks for the input dan <laughs> um it, it, it was it was it was pretty easy to come up with this list um they're my favorite ones the ones that i love to watch i never get bored of the ones that have extremely special meaning to me uh and, and if if we talk about this when we talk about see it or skip it what would you recommend to somebody if they're getting into a particular series all of these are ones that i would say you gotta watch this you gotta watch this you gotta watch this uh, okay so um it's just they're the ones that I would if, – if I only had certain episodes that I could ever watch for the rest of my life, these would be five or ten because we have honorable mentions. Okay. Well, that's yeah. good to know. For me, I tried to pick the ones that I loved the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not necessarily saying that these are the definitive top five episodes of all time. True. These are the ones that have a personal meaning to us that mm-hmm. we connect with that we think are the five best episodes of Star Trek ever produced. Mm-hmm. Fair statement? Very fair statement. I'll I'll go with that. Then why don't we start talking about our honorable mentions? Let's get those out of the way first, because these are the ones that didn't make the top five for whatever reason. Okay. Um, and we could uh, we flipped a coin backstage, and <laughs> we decided that I would go through mine first. So let me go through my honorable mentions. I like that idea. And we uh, we'll you know we'll stop in between each one and and we'll talk about them a little bit. Okay. Uh, at number five. In honorable mentions, I have Blink of an Eye from Voyager Season 6, Episode 12, 
which, uh, you know, as I was going through my Voyager, you know, watch through the first time just a couple of years ago, I was really astounded at how much I truly loved this episode. It has everything. It has science. It has, you know, time. Mm -hmm. It has great Star Trek messages. But it is probably one of the most solid outings of Voyager you know, ever. It really is. The, the story is, it's just amazing to think of, you know, because of the way that time is on that planet that, you know, only being up in the atmosphere for however long is hundreds or thousands, wasn't it? I forget even how yeah. many years it was that these yeah. people are seeing this object. It was great. Uh, um, I, I can't remember the guy's name. I'm sorry. I get so much going through my head, but the gentleman from Lost who uh, played in this, the, the, the primary guest star in this Daniel Day Kim. Thank you very much. I knew it was Daniel, but I wasn't sure of the rest of it. Um, he was fantastic in this, and I'm so glad that somebody from Lost also has a Star Trek credit to his name. It really is a true Star Trek episode, too, when you think about it, about the idea of it and the whole thought process and, and what makes a Star Trek episode so great. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's kind of why it, I mean, it, it very easily could be in my top five all mm -hmm. time because it is that good. But for me, there were just you know, nine or 10 other episodes that I think kind of mm -hmm. come in a little bit ahead of it. And some, some of these are just hair widths of, of difference. Absolutely. So at my number four, I actually have a tie. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one who broke the rules. <laughs> <laughs> well, I created the rules. I figure I could break them. <laughs> and, um, in my other mentions, I have family, which is next gen mm -hmm. season four, episode two, and the Drumhead season four, episode 21, both next gen. Um, I love, I adore these two episodes. I think Family for me is the best episode with Jean-Luc Picard that we get until Star Trek Picard. Yeah, it's a very emotional episode, of course. It's right after he was uh, assimilated by the Borg. Awesome, awesome episode. We get to meet Rene and Robert and all of his family for the very first time, um, as well as uh, Worf's parents and, and so forth. It's a, it's a great episode. It's a very emotional episode as well. I think the thing I like about it is that we get to see a Starfleet captain in a way we've never seen one before broken broken. Yep. And it affects him. You know, this is the first time really in Star Trek that we don't develop amnesia between episodes and forget what occurred before this had a really profound and deep impact on Picard. And, and he's just, you know, emotionally eviscerated. And I think that's why I really love this episode. And he goes home to the only place that he figures can fix it. Yeah, and he actually he actually thinks about leaving space and going underwater to help his friend Lewis uh, with some ex exploration down there, which just it just boggles your mind when you know what Picard is all about. Exactly, and then the drumhead. I mean, I, if there is ever an episode you know that kind of speaks to you know sort of the the galactic politics of Star Trek. Um, this is it. I mean, it's also a modern day telling of the crucible in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, Gene Simmons is amazing in this episode. She is, a, she's legendary, you know, as it is before she's in this episode, but she just, she goes toe to toe with Patrick Stewart and it is just brilliant. And of course, you know, the, the subject matter is, is something we haven't touched on ever. And I think that's why these episodes really come in. Kind of neck and neck here at the number four spot for me. Yeah, Gene Simmons is so great. Another North and South co-star with our friend yeah. Jonathan Frakes, of course. That's right, uh, and she's great. I mean, she's she's so she's so good at twisting things. Uh, and then that breakdown at the end that she has after Picard's 
amazing speech uh, is just is just one that you just always get get chills down your spine when you watch it happen. I've taken down bigger men than you, Picard. Wow, it's like Gene Simmons is, <laughs> has been reincarnated right here on our podcast. <laughs> I've always known you could sound like an old lady <laughs> without even trying. That's without part. even trying. <laughs> At my number three spot for honorable mentions, it's a two part episode, and I, I I can't include part one and not oh, part two. Yep. And it's a uh, past tense from Deep Space Nine, season three, episodes 11 and 12. Uh, you want to talk about, you know, relevant politics. Oh. Um, this kind of eclipses the drumhead in that department mm-hmm. and, and really kind of shows us an Earth that is under siege and doesn't even know it. And we're seeing it kind of in real life right now. Uh, yeah, in, in some ways, but of course, the best part about this episode—I know you want to do it. I know you want to do the impersonation, so I'm going to give you the microphone, uh, Gabriel I, Bell. Oh, okay, fully <laughs> <laughs> like Matt McGonagall. We're here to do it. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, th- this this whole—you know—the fact that back when they they filmed this episode, uh, s- people started talking about things like sanctuary districts right. after they'd already shot it, or you know, and, and it was so timely then, and unfortunately, it's so timely now. And the America of that time frame doesn't even know, you know, that that this is, has really crept in. They don't realize how horrible this is. Mm -hmm. And so I I think that, and that's why I say it's, it's kind of under siege and they don't even know it. Um, I think that the political relevance of this then and now is, is sadly just as relevant. And that's why it's in my number three for honorable mentions. Absolutely. I mean, I think it has more meaning to me now than it did back then, obviously, because, because of what we're seeing in today's world. One of the things that I really like about this episode, selfishly, Bill, is that you and I have walked the very streets that parts of this episode was filmed when we had the honor of being guests at the Paramount lot with our friend Adam. And we actually saw that subway, <laughs> uh, that Jadzia woke up in, uh, mm-hmm. in that episode. That was very cool. As well as the uh, various streets, you know, yeah. that have been used for other Star Trek episodes mm-hmm. over the years. Um, it's just, it's it, it's kind of weird. It, you know, we, we thought maybe it would take us out of it. But for me, it absolutely oh, gosh, did not. No, nope, absolutely um, not. I have a new appreciation for how this stuff works when they shoot it. Yeah, so, me too. Uh, but, but that's past tense at number three. At number two, uh, it's probably one of my all-time personal favorite episodes of Star Trek. Um because of what it means for Cisco, and that's Deep Space Nine, Season 6, Episode 19, In the Pale Moonlight. Um, Cisco, I've said this many times on the show, Cisco mortgages everything he believes to bring the Romulans into the Dominion War. And he has to find a way to live with himself uh, and the choices that that Garrick ultimately makes on his behalf. And like he says, uh, he can live with it. He can live with it. <laughs> it's funny that we even are able to talk about this because that never, you know, the whole thing never even happened. It did happen. He just deleted the log. It deleted the log, I mean. Yeah, it's a fantastic episode, man. It's a great pick. It is one of my favorite episodes, too. Of course, the memes of It's a Fake and all that are all over the place on the internet. But it really is a great Cisco story to show what he is capable of doing and not doing in order to get that ultimate goal. You have to wonder, is he good for getting the Romulans in, even the way he did it, or is it bad? I'm going to fall on the side of he needed to do whatever, because if he didn't bring the Romulans in, it was all over. So he had to do whatever he could, whether it broke the rules of Starfleet officers is another discussion, because of course it was, but it's just a, it's a great, that this is a, you could debate this episode for hours because of the ramifications. You 
you really could. I mean, some people say it's not Star Trek because he doesn't uphold the ideals of the Federation. It's like, well, what if there's no Federation to uphold the ideals of? Yep. What if there's no Starfleet? What if this is the end of it all? What are you willing to do? And I, th- I love the fact that this episode asks those questions. Um, it, it's just, it, it is amazing writing. Much like uh, The Visitor written by Michael Taylor, it is, mm-hmm. it is one of my all-time favorites. And then coming in at my number one for honorable mentions, I, there's no way I can't include this episode. It is the first episode of Star Trek I ever watched with my brother. It is the original series, season one, episode two, The Corbomite Maneuver. Um, you and I have talked about this episode, you know, uh, many, many times, many times. (laughs) I never tire of it. I've seen it maybe hundreds of times. I love it because it, as they say on mission log, you know, uh, this is who we say we are. Yeah. You know, uh, we, we aren't going to, to be that thing today. And it is just, it's. It's a great, great script. And if this is your introduction to Star Trek, I think you're in really great hands. I have a feeling we might be talking about this episode again in a few minutes. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is. It, it, it's one of the most. It's one of the earliest episodes that I ever remember watching. Um, it's fantastic. It's a great introduction to all of Star Trek. And one of the things that I like most about it is that it's typically on most people's best of TOS lists. And it's one of the first episodes they ever did. A lot of times we don't see that in Star Trek seasons. We don't pick out (laughs) stuff of TNG season one all too often. We get maybe an episode of DS9 season one with Duet. But other than that, it's it's very rare to come across uh, ones that good that early in a series. Plus, ah! <laughs> <laughs> speaking of McGonagall, yeah, speaking he's doing that McGonagall. right now, right now, as he's, I know. he's listening to this, yep. He absolutely is. He's going to rewind it and listen to it again. <laughs> so those are my honorable mentions. Um, technically seven episodes, if you count past tense one and two mm-hmm. as two episodes. But um, that's that's kind of where I'm starting from. So know that the, the next five... The actual top five are going to be pretty epic. That's fantastic. It's a great uh, honorable mention list, man. I got uh, similar. I have one that's a two-parter. I have one that came in as a tie. So I, too, have seven in my top five honorable mentions. I didn't clear this. I don't care. Uh, So I'm going to (laughs) start off uh, at number five uh, with Year of Hell from Voyager Season 4, Episodes 8 and 9. I have, you know that I have always loved this two-parter. I think it's Absolutely. fantastic time writing storytelling. Um, I love the performance that Kate gives as Janeway. All the people give such great uh, performances you know, when, when Tuvok is blind and, and Seven's got a real chip on her shoulder after everything happens. I just love this episode, the way that it ends. And of course, Anorex is just phenomenal. Uh, Kurtwood Smith is just so good in this role. Um, it's one that it, he was made for. Whenever I think of of him in any Star Trek role, because he's been in many, I think of this episode first. Yeah, I don't see how you can't. I mean, because it is so uh, so amazing and, and just so all encompassing. Plus, he he kind of he's this very steady presence, although he's very very scary. Yeah, um, he never loses it. That's the thing. I think that's really what gets me about Anorax is he just, he's consistent. He's unwavering. He, he does not lose control. Sort of like me. Oh yeah. Right. (laughs) Sorry. Um, And, and even that, I mean this, you know, there are people who say, you know, this should have been an entire season of Voyager. I really kind of like it as, 
as kind of a two-parter because you run the risk of it going on too long before you hit the reset button. Yeah. And I do like the fact that um, we actually hear about, I I believe that we hear about them earlier in in another season where they kind of just throw a little blurb about this this race in. And then we finally see this two-parter later on. I just think it's brilliantly written. I love it. I love the whole aspect of it. Couldn't agree more. It's it's certainly a favorite of mine. Um, you know, when I think of you know top ten Voyager episodes, it's absolutely up there. Yeah, great. So number four, uh, like you, I have a tie for two episodes. They are both of uh, the original series. One we've already talked about, of course, with the Corbomite maneuver, and also I threw in as a tie with this one was uh, the fourteenth episode of the first season, and that is Balance of Terror. Oh wow! Yes, absolutely. Whenever anyone asks, what are the two episodes of the original series that I should start with? Instead of saying start from the beginning. I will say Corbomite Maneuver, and I will say Balance of Terror. They are two perfect examples of what makes the original series so great. The whole idea of this submarine cat and mouse game and Balance of Terror with with Kirk and, and the Romulan commander, it's just you never get tired of it. The reimagined TOS series with the added special effects just adds to this episode, as yeah. does Corbomite Maneuver. Both of these episodes are instant classics. And if they're on a station, if I, I don't have H&I down here, but if I'm flipping through stations and either one of these are on, that channel is staying on no matter what else I'm doing. They are just two of the best episodes of TOS. Uh, I couldn't agree more. You know, it's it's interesting to think because you mentioned you know earlier in the show that you kind of changed your list around, mm-hmm. and it, you know if this is the caliber of some of the episodes in your honorable mentions, yeah. I can't wait to hear your top five. Balance of Terror is is probably among the top three episodes all time TOS. I agree, a- and you know it's uh it it definitely is one that uh, I think that we'll talk about elements of at some point. Um, if, if, if I know my podcast partner, but, um, <laughs> it absolutely is. It, I mean, it is probably as close to a perfect episode in Star Trek as you got. I absolutely agree. Um, and that brings me to my, uh, number three honorable mention. We're going to stay with TOS. I got a lot of TOS in my honorable mentions. Yeah. It's another season one. So three season ones in our honorable mentions. Uh, and that's episode 18 and that's arena. This is the first episode I watched as a kid. And it scared the hell out of me when I was a kid with that Gorn. I just, it was something that I would, I, I would jump behind the couch in my parents' living room whenever this was on because I was petrified of this guy. As ridiculous as the suit some people claim to be. It just scared me. And as I got older, the whole idea of what's behind what's going on with this battle between the Gorn and Kirk and what's at stake... It means so much more to me as I grew older and understood what Star Trek was all about. I never get tired of this episode. I love it. Um, I don't want to give any spoilers away for those people who may not have seen Strange New World. Um, but we have seen Gorn in Lower Decks now. We saw Gorn in Enterprise. And as bad as it was, we still did see a Gorn. I've always loved the Gorn because of this episode. Um, it's one of my favorites. I love the, I love the dialogue that Kirk is giving when he's talking into his little microphone. Nothing about this episode bores me. And someday, Bill, we are going to go to Vasquez Rocks. I guarantee you and promise you that. I can't wait. Do I get to... Uh, Push me off? <laughs> no, I was going to say, do I get to fashion a, a <laughs> cannon from various elements that are found naturally around the area? <laughs> just in piles? Just Oh, there's some diamonds. <laughs> yeah, like And bamboo. Because that's growing in, in vast quantities in Southern California. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway, yeah. so yeah, so that's number three, Arena. Always love it. Um, number two, I'm going to jump to uh, what is my favorite uh, Star Trek series of all, and that's, of course, Deep Space Nine. going to go with Hippocratic Oath, season four, episode three. Nice. I have always loved this episode because it really gives you a look at the Jem'Hadar. For some strange reason, as with everything else, I seem to like the bad guys the most. I love Thanos. I love Voldemort. I love I love the Jem'Hadar. I love the Dominion. I think they're fantastic. And this is a great episode that shows what they're like and what they're going through when they don't have Ketracel White. Um, it's and and not only that, it's a fantastic O'Brien and Bashir episode. It Definitely. Is really well. They, you see tension with these two guys that you do not see. And I really think this episode affected their relationship for the rest of the series a little bit. Very subtly, but you know that um, O'Brien uh, went against uh, uh, Bashir's orders, and that was a problem. Um, but it's just a, it's a great episode, and, and I, I love the Jem'Hadar so much. So, yeah. That that absolutely is one of the best episodes involving the Jem'Hadar. And you're right. I mean, that conflict between Bashir and O'Brien is is ultimately important um, for how much it kind of breaks the Roddenberry rule. I, I think it's I think it's essential in this episode. I don't think you can just have everybody go, oh, we're friends again at the end yeah. because there needs to be that continuing tension or that doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I, I'm really glad you picked that one because I, I think that's a fantastic episode and certainly one of my favorites. And of course, Scott McDonald. Uh, it's phenomenal uh, as the uh, uh, lead uh, Jem'Hadar in this episode, and we're going to talk about him a little bit later. Is he in that? Yeah, he's the lead I, one. I did not know. Yeah, yeah, he is. You are prisoners of the Jem'Hadar. Just his voice is, is pretty awesome. So um, so that was my number two. Um, and for number one, you know, I love the fact that you brought Far Beyond the Stars into it because uh, – I'm sorry, that you brought – I just gave away what my number one is. I, <laughs> You can take it again if you want to. Yeah, we okay. can All right, we'll let's, cut let's cut that out. It's uh, at uh, twenty two thirteen. So I really like the fact, Bill, that you brought in the pale moonlight in as one of your honorable mentions because whenever I think of just phenomenal Deep Space Nine episodes, I usually think of in the pale moonlight and what my number one honorable mention is, and that's far beyond the stars. Wow. It is such a great episode because it doesn't have a lot to do with outer space and science fiction. Avery Brooks does a phenomenal job in the direction of this episode and dealing with the racism that we saw in the United States back in the early 60s and and even before then. Everybody gets to play it um, outside of their norm and without their makeup, and I think it's just brilliant that we finally get to see that we've wanted to see it for so long we get to see all the characters playing these char- these new characters and they all work i especially love renee uh as the boss at this at the um publishing company he's he just he has to you know he's just so oh he's so cranky like odo is but it, it works and and i love the dynamic that all of the characters have when they're playing these um these people in that office and it's it's a brilliantly written episode and i think it is one of the top episodes of deep space nine ever made that's one of the top episodes of star trek ever made it's weird to think that it's an honorable mention um because many people regard it as the finest episode of deep space nine yeah and and they're not incorrect you know it's uh, it's it is probably one of the best uh hours of television ever produced not just among star trek absolutely i agree 
I agree. And just to just to go back for a second, I couldn't think of uh, of the Jem'Hadar's name that Scott played. He played Garanagar in that episode, Hippocratic. Oh, that's right. And that's uh, right. his voice, his eyes are what gives it away because he has extremely recognizable eyes. And uh, yeah, he definitely is. He's good as a Jem'Hadar and pretty much any other alien that he's played in Star Trek. That's very true. So, well, those are our honorable mentions. And if, if that's any indication... Um, I I really can't wait to hear our top fives um, <laughs> in general. Yeah. So let's let's get cracking. I'm going to go first. So yeah, let's get into my top five, and I'm going to start at number five. We'll do it the same way we just did. We'll kind of okay. go through all of mine, and then we'll go through all of yours. And you know, when I think of probably what is I think the most Star Trek and the best episode of the original series for me. Uh, I have to look at my number five pick, and that is The Devil in the Dark, season one, episode 26. Mm-hmm. Um, I can think of fewer episodes um, that I could describe as the most Star Trek, um, but, but this really is up there. Um, I, when I first saw this as, as a kid, I was scared of the Horda. Yeah. But then when I realized exactly what was going on and realized that we humans were the problem, mm-hmm. it actually taught me quite a bit. And, you know, people can say whatever they want to about the original series and how things look campy. But I dare you to find an hour of television that is is more impactful even in Star Trek because that would be a great debate. Oh, absolutely. The Horde is a great, a great character also. And it, it's too bad that we didn't get to see the Horde at, at any other time. That I'm aware of, we haven't really seen it um, in any live action Star Trek, and and I really love the character. And also, you got to remember, this is a this is a great job done by both Nimoy and Shatner. And this episode was filmed just as Shatner's dad passed away, so he had to deal with that as well as filming an episode uh, of television. And he does a great job. Um, it is scary. No kill eye. I mean, that, that's one of the phrases that everybody remembers from this episode, and it's 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 great. Good choice, man. I like it. Absolutely. I mean, you know, when you start talking about the best of the best, um, Devil in the Dark has to be in the conversation. Yeah. It's just not possible to do it any other way, quite frankly. Um, Which takes me to number four. And the thing I'm noticing is that throughout our picks, um, we have a number of reset button episodes. (laughs) You and I. Yes. Because it's an effective storytelling device. I mean, you know, we get our characters put into these various situations and then the universe writes itself at the end somehow, whether it's through, you know, their own, you know, actions or whether or not it's some kind of phenomenon, mm-hmm. things turn out for the better. Right. And that's kind of what we talked about when we talked about this episode on Trek Geeks as possibly one of the best reset button episodes of all time. And that's Twilight from Star Trek Enterprise season three, episode eight. Um, this not... This not only has a great reset button, but it has great emotion. It tells a great story. There are great callbacks. There's great fan service. Mm -hmm. Everything about this episode works. And the best part is is you don't really even need to have seen a bunch of Enterprise to get this episode. Absolutely. One of the things that I love most about this episode is the love that T'Pol has for Archer. She's got love for Archer. And it really shows where she has to explain everything every single day and it's a good thing she's a vulcan because i would not be able to explain everything to you every single day (laughs) that's because you're not that bright (laughs) (laughs) but it really is a great episode john billingsley does a great uh job in this one um with finding out uh how to to 
write everything and push that reset button, uh, so to speak. Um, and it's, it's, it's awesome. It's, I mean, just the opening scene, you see earth just blown to pieces, uh, by the Zindi weapon right in the opening scene. And you're like, um, uh, what just happened? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's great. It comes up and it punches you right in the mouth, much like I'd like to do to you. Yes. And <laughs> the rest of the episode is, it, it it's really compelling. You know, when T'Pol is telling Archer the story and you see the way that Archer reacts and you imagine he reacts this way every single time, it yeah. really just sort of, it punches you right in the gut. It mm-hmm. really does. Bacula is amazing, but more importantly, Jolene Blaylock is flawless in this episode. I think it's her best episode of Enterprise, honestly. Yeah, if if it's not, it's certainly among them. Yep. So um, that takes me to my number three, which you might be interested to know, Dan, is another reset button episode. Ah, look at that. One of your personal favorites, I know. Absolutely. It's become one of mine since I've watched Voyager, and that is season five, episode six, Timeless. Mm. Um, the weight of this episode is just enormous, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on Harry Kim, on the audience, and the fact that he gets a chance to make things right in a very interesting way, I think is what makes this one of the top five, you know, best episodes in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, we, when we did an episode on this, everybody knows, um, what the weight of guilt on your shoulders can be like. And I've talked about what it was like for me. And this episode really means a lot to me because it's another example of being able to get that weight off your shoulders, which took me so many years to do in my situation. So this has a lot of personal meaning for me, this episode. It's great. Uh, it's a great, it's great science fiction. It's great, um, uh, reset button, um, storytelling, but it's also fantastic acting by Garrett. He does a great job dealing with that guilt and being bitter um, and being able to then record a message to himself uh, at the end, which is just a great way to wrap things up. It's hard to believe we talked about this over 200 episodes ago. It was episode number 67 of Trek Geeks, um, 15 years of guilt. And I, you know, Harry Kim found out that one mistake can change everything, but um, one action can put it all back to the way it ought to be. And, you know, this is some of the best stuff they ever give Garrett Wong to do in Star Trek. Yes. It's a shame he didn't have more stuff like mm-hmm. this because Harry Kim is a great character and Garrett Wong is a fantastic actor. Yeah, and I'll never forget the time that he reached out to us to let us know that he listened to this episode and he thought it was fantastic. This episode of Trek Geeks and thought it was right. fantastic. So yeah, great choice, man. Yeah, so there we are. We're at number two. And for me, this is probably one of my all-time favorite episodes of Next Gen it involves somebody who we love to see pop up in Star Trek mm-hmm. anytime it happens. Um, and it was a, a, a significant script for Ronald D. Moore. Um, so I'm talking about Next Gen Season 3, Episode 10, The Defector. James Sloyan. Sloyan! <laughs> One of the best guest stars all time yep. in Star Trek. Um, it puts in a just a heartbreaking performance in this episode. Um, he is... You know, every bit the equal of Patrick Stewart in his scenes. The the two of them together is just it's it's a, a joy to watch yep. these two amazing actors and scenes together. But this whole story of this this Romulan who has been duped into you know um, defecting mm-hmm. for no reason. He's essentially a laughing stock in the Empire as a result, and um, what that leads to for him personally. I um it. It's an episode that that I have had different feelings about over the years. I've always loved it, but I've had sympathy for different characters along the way in this yeah, episode. That's a good point. 
it, it's very complex. And I think that this is the reason why I think season three really is one of the best ep- seasons of Star Trek ever produced for next gen and in Star Trek in general, because it is, it just tells so many stories like this that take chances. Right. And, and chances that really hit it out of the park. Sloyan, this role and Jatrell are probably my two favorite um, yeah. versions of characters that he's played in Star Trek. They're, they're just really, really well done. But here, he's great. And yeah, I mean, he becomes a laughing stock, and so much so that he takes his own life. Uh, at the end of the episode, sorry for the spoiler alert, but you know that's like thirty. I know, really, thirty-six years ago. If you haven't seen it yet, then well, that's too bad. Um, wow, no, it's it really is a it's an emotional episode. It has teeth to it, and I, I got to give Sloyan all the credit in the world because standing in those sharp-shouldered uniforms that the Romulans wear, <laughs> uh, it's just something else. But he's he's really that the, his voice is so recognizable and so. So this is going to sound weird, but he's he's a perfect person to play a Romulan because that's what I think of their kind of like snakish the way that he talks and some of the dialogue he has with Picard. I I just have always loved this episode. That is a fantastic number two, man. Well, that takes me to number one. And so if you know what number two is, you probably got a good feeling about what number one is. (laughs) And it's the one we've said is Star Trek's finest hour. Um, we had a panel named that on Trek Talks earlier this year, yep. uh, where we were able to talk with um, the awesome. writer of the episode and the director and Tony Todd and Ciroc. and Sirac Lofton and and Rachel Robinson, and that is Deep Space Nine season four episode three, The Visitor, simply the best Star Trek has ever done. Um, it, I don't know what we can say about this episode that we haven't said before. It has everything. Um, some people might be alarmed to realize that the sitting on the edge of forever is not on either of my lists. Nope. It's a good. It's a great episode. Don't get me wrong. But when you've got over eight hundred episodes of Star Trek to look at, I mean, it's it's hard to make some of these choices. But I've always thought, since the visitor came out, that it was light years better than sitting on the edge, and um, I, I stand by it. I will I, unless something major happens in new Star Trek. You know, when they put out something that levels me, you know, at a different way, Mm -hmm. um, the visitor for me will always be the best the franchise has ever been. You know, it's an important episode where just when you start thinking about it, you could start crying because Tony Tony Todd and there's so many aspects that can make you, you know, make you emotional. But Tony Todd's rendition of Future Jake gets me every single time, no matter what time frame it is. He is so good. (laughs) And that final scene with with Avery when uh, when the rubber band's going to be snapped, it's just gut-wrenching and so wonderful at the Ugh. same time. Well, that's my top five list. Um, again, your mileage may vary to everyone <laughs> listening, and even, Dan, the, your mileage may vary as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's hear what you got for your uh, top fives. All right. There might be some ones in here that we've heard of before. I'm just going to say, and I'm going to start. You don't with, say. Uh, yeah, I do say, and I will say, and I'm going to say it right now with my uh, number five choice. It's something that you picked. It was a little higher up on your list, but still, nonetheless, a phenomenal episode for me, and that is Enterprise's Twilight, uh, season three, episode eight. It's just awesome. It is the best reset button episode i think that has ever been in star trek the acting is phenomenal like you said the the fan service callbacks are phenomenal and that opening uh teaser is maybe one of the best in star trek with earth being destroyed and you're kind of figuring trying to figure out what the hell is going on uh it's just it's awesome absolutely i mean you know we talked about this really in in my set but i think really the only other thing about twilight um that i want to point out is a seti alpha five 
Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, the fact that that's where Archer and T'Pol are, <laughs> yep. um, you know, years before things don't go so well. Um, <laughs> I always love that, you know, just that tiny little bit of fan service. Um, it always makes me happy. And so. it's one that can, if you're not really paying attention, can be overlooked. If you're not, if you're not as deep core fans as, as we are, but, and you know a little bit about Star Trek, I mean, they do it so fast. It's not like yeah. a big focus on it. So that's why I like it so much. So. Hundred percent. I I couldn't agree more. That's a great number five. Uh, I can only imagine where it goes from here. Uh, it goes up to number four, actually, Bill. So oh, glad you're or down. Attention. Yeah, well, yeah. that's true too. Um, gonna go with one of my all-time favorite Patrick Stewart Stewart episodes. Um, I think I actually named it as my favorite TNG episode at one point, either on our show, uh, over or at uh, Trek Ranks with Jim. I'm not sure, but it's uh, the Inner Light TNG season five episode twenty five before Picard. This was what we saw Picard like. He finally got what he wanted all his life as an old man. He had a wife. He had children. He had grandchildren. He was happy. And when he found out it was all just the probe, it affected him. You see that when he opens up the uh, the box at the end of the episode and the flute is in there and he just hugs it before he starts playing it. It is an um, it is a very emotional episode for me. I cannot get through that episode dry eyed. Uh, Patrick Stewart is fantastic, as are everyone who uh, guest stars in this in this episode. It is a it is the quintessential Picard episode of TNG's time. I can appreciate that. I mean, I think at the time I saw it, I did love it, but I think I have a different appreciation for it now, mm-hmm. as you know, a, 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 a grown up in my fifties. Than I did necessarily as as a younger adult in my twenties. I think that you know losing people in your life gives you a different perspective on this episode. Mm-hmm. And when you you stop to think about the fact that Picard lives an entire lifetime in forty five minutes, in, in the scope of this, it, it really is kind of you know jaw dropping. The fact that you you sense a change in Picard after this, yes. Um, it's not, sub- I mean, it's not in your face. It's very subtle, but you can see some mannerisms change. You can see some tones change and it, it is some of the best stuff that Patrick Stewart ever gets to do in next gen. Here's the thing that I really take in when I think about inner light now that we have seen Picard season one and season two, and I'm not going to worry yeah. about season three yet. Yep. He doesn't get any of this in his life. He's alone his whole life by his own choosing. Um, from what he had happen as a child and so forth. And that makes this episode a little sadder for me. Yeah. Knowing that he was so happy with what he had as Bataille. And now, 30-something years later, he still doesn't have it. Slight correction. He was Cayman. Uh, what did I say? Bataille? Sorry. Bataille. His friend was Bataille. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. His friend was Bataille. And um, yeah, so it, it's thank you for the correction. But um, it, it, it makes me appreciate this episode more and what Picard could have had but never did absolutely and i have to go back and watch it now in the you know kind of in the in the shadow of picard season two and Mm -hmm. some of those revelations to see if i get a different vibe from it now so that's that's a a great point yeah 
So that takes us to our year number three. Okay. So what I'm going to do before I get into this um, number three pick, I do want to let people know that it does have to do with Strange New Worlds. And if you are in a part of the world which has not seen the full season one yet, I would recommend pausing or, or jumping ahead a few minutes so you don't hear anything because I am going to talk about spoilers in this episode. Wow. So Interesting. Um, yeah. So right now, and this is how powerful this one was for me. It's all the way on my number three top five ever and that is the season finale of Strange New Worlds, episode 10, A Quality of Mercy. I, wow. Dude, I was so blown away by this episode. I've probably watched it a dozen times since it aired. And every time I get the hair on my arm standing up, I get the goosebumps. It is the perfect, perfect homage to Balance of Terror. It is done so well. And there's so many things besides the balance of terror aspect of this episode that work. The entire why Pike has to have the accident happen to him. If that doesn't show what true friendship is all about, then I don't know what does. And as we see in this episode, if Pike is not the one that is in the accident on the uh, J-Class starship where he gets in the chair... Spock will die in every single universe or every single, you know, offshoot um, unless it's him. And he talks, future Pike talks about all of the special things that Spock will do. And of course, that's the whole reference to Romulus and, and unification. I just, I, I, I just can't, I could talk about this episode for a day. I just think it's brilliant. I'm really floored by this because it is so new. I mean, this episode is, you know, was out two months ago, mm-hmm. and here it is in your top five. I'm curious as to what episode it displaced. I actually moved um, everything down one. As oh wow! To putting this in, um, it could have. It wasn't. I wasn't gonna. You know, I didn't think we'd write to put something else and move it a couple spots. So I just bounced everything down. But I'll tell you, um, everything and, and the balance of terror relation is just phenomenal. Knowing that if Pike didn't have the accident, he's in charge of the Enterprise, and everything kind of plays out almost exactly the same. The wedding at the beginning, and and uh, Ortegas is is the is the one who's the quote unquote racist on the bridge because of Spock and and we get to meet Captain Kirk of the Farragut. I it's just it's just so well done and all of these aspects of the writing. Terry is doing a fantastic job running um uh I'm sorry uh I'm sorry I'm I'm so excited about it. I'm forgetting I'm uh Kurtzman is doing such a good job running this franchise right now and getting the people in place that know how to write for this franchise without making it look like they're trying too much. Yeah, uh, Henry Alonzo Myers and and Akiva Goldsman, who I think both co-wrote this script, really did an amazing job. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to see the the similarities and yet the differences yes. between Balance of Terror. Yes, um, I, I I bristle at the notion of calling Ortega's the racist in this because she nothing she says or none of her objections are based in race. I, I I say I I apologize for you that way, but what I think is of the original Balance of Terror and right, I just kind right, of just, they have that that antagonist on the bridge, I guess is what I can call her. And yeah, I think that's I great. Think that's a better word for it. Um, but I'll tell you what: the first time I watched this, and I was freaking out with every single thing that was happening. I said to myself, if he says they're on Mark one one eleven Mark fourteen, I'm gonna lose my. And then that's exactly where they were going, and I did. It was just hysterical. I was so excited about it. 
So, um, yeah, it's it's amazing that a brand new episode like this can affect me that much, and it did, man. It's it, I I I could have brought it as as number one. Wow, I mean, I gotta say, man, that's I mean, I don't want to say you're wrong because you're not, but that's a bold claim that you could have brought that in at number one. I really could have, man. I be, I think because it's 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 so new. I mean, I've gotten, I've gone off the rails a little bit on other episodes, like when they showed Pike's accident and when yep. they went to Talos 4, but nothing has been like this one where they take aspects of, an, of a classic TOS episode, they do it right, but then they have all these added things like future Pike in his monster maroon and talking about what will happen and bringing the time crystal back and all of these things. It is just perfectly executed. And every time I see it, I've loved it more because I'm catching little things here and there all over again. And it, it's, it's amazing. I, I absolutely, absolutely will tell everybody that this is one of my all time favorite episodes. It's just, I don't know how they, I, I honestly do not know how strange new worlds can top in my mind what they did in this finale. And it leaves it on a cliffhanger. <laughs> just a little thing, you know, <laughs> a little, little thing, a tiny thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think that the best part is, is that even new Star Trek is giving us new things to appreciate. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a lot of people want to criticize the Star Trek that's being produced today. But I, I think that in many ways, uh, new Star Trek challenges us in yeah. ways that Star Trek never has before, especially as viewers. Mm -hmm. And between Discovery and Strange New Worlds and even Picard, we are forcing ourselves to look at things in a different way because we're we're older now. Yeah. You know, we have different experiences, much like these characters mm -hmm. do. And I think that for that episode to have resonated with you that much is, is simply amazing. Here's one other thing that I want to talk about. And I, it seems like it's my number one, the, how excited I am. The special effects in this episode, knowing what we know about Balance of Terror, seeing that plasma weapon launch from the Romulan ship, the Romulan ship itself, the comet. All of these different things that we saw in this episode that we have watched as 1960s science fiction television for 50 years, even with the redo of the original series, the special effects that were put into this episode to recreate scenes from Balance of Terror are just a 10 out of 10. They were just perfect. Uh, true. Yeah. I can't I can't find fault with that. I, I don't find fault with your pick at all. I think it's an amazing episode. When I saw it, I was blown away. Um, I was not expecting them to do what they did. And when they did it, I was just, you know, my mouth was agape. Blown away like those listening posts that it was finally great to see what they look like when they're blown to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this got dark. It did. It did. So I'll wow. go to a better one. <laughs> you brought it there. Yeah, yeah thank you. Um, so my number two, buddy, is your number one. Uh, and oh, it's going to okay. be hard for something to top this episode, but my number two is The Visitor. Uh, uh, Star Trek's finest hour, like we have both been saying for years, that has not changed just because of my love for Equality of Mercy. Um, the Visitor is the best episode of Star Trek, in my opinion, that has ever been made. Um, it's not number one on my top five for a very specific reason, which we'll get into in a minute, but everything about this episode is great. The amazing relationship of this father and this son is really highlighted in this episode. The love they have for each other. Uh, Tony Todd should have won an Emmy for this episode. Um, and it's one that I will never not cry at and never not want to watch. I, I agree with you hundred percent. I think the interesting thing was in, in speaking with David Livingston, the director of this episode, you know, we have said for years that, you know, that in the end, Benjamin remembers everything. Mm -hmm. 
and he just didn't see it that yeah, way. Yeah, that was really And I was strange. fascinated yeah. by that. Mm-hmm. I think that the episode hits harder if he does. I agree. Because no parent wants their child to, to go before they do. And children are supposed to outlive their parents. And I think that that's kind of the emotional hook to this episode for Benjamin. I found it extremely interesting that David didn't see it that way because at the end, Jake says, are you okay, dad? And, he's, and he hugs him and, and kind of chokes up when he says, I am now, Jake. I am now knowing what right. was just fixed with that reset button. So it's, I do find it very interesting that David thought that way. But either way, whether it is whether it Benjamin remembers or whether he doesn't, it's still just a beautiful episode and one that I will always love. Yeah, that episode's I. Yeah. <laughs> Star Trek's one of its okay hours. I That's all right. <laughs> it's nothing to write home about. Well, buddy, that leaves your number one pick, the one that you think is the top of them all. Yeah. Um, and where are you going with it? Well, uh, anybody who knows me knows my story. So there's no way that this cannot be my favorite uh, episode and my all-time top five episode. And that is Deep Space Nine Season 1, Episode 6, Captive Pursuit. Uh, this is the episode that literally saved my life uh, way back in the day. If that had not been on television or playing on my VCR, that VCR, listen to me, VCR, my God, it's a long time ago. Um, I would not be alive today. So there's always a very special connection with this episode with me. But not only that, it's really a good episode. It's the first known visitor from the Gamma Quadrant. We see one of the coolest transporter effects in all of Star Trek with the Hunter. Um, Scott McDonald is fantastic as Tosk. It's a great O'Brien episode. He's willing to give up everything for this stranger, which is the actual point that saved my life in this episode. And just for that reason, it will be always be number one on my top five because without it, I wouldn't be here to give you crap every day. So I am always thankful <laughs> to that. <laughs> um, we had a, a very emotional and moving conversation on this mm. particular episode in Trek Geeks number 114, yep. The Captive Pursuit, where we talk about the uh, uh, probably one of the most important nights of your life. Mm-hmm. And and what came with it. And uh, through that, we kind of evolved that into the Star Trek Save My Life panel. Right. But separate from all that and how weighty that episode is for you personally, this is an outstanding episode of Star Trek, hands down. It really is. It's it's fantastic. It, it um, You know, everybody, a lot of people complain. Uh, I put that in air quotes a little bit about yeah, how yeah. the beginning of Deep Space Nine, they didn't go anywhere. Um, well, they brought somebody and, and the way that they did it and the way that they told this story was really good. That makeup that Scott wears, he looks like a walking alligator. Uh, and yeah. he, that's what the lizard should have looked like in the Spider-Man reboots, to be perfectly honest with you, because what they did in the Spider-Man reboots was horrible. Um, but I just love Tosk. Tosk is a great character. You got me, I'm looking at it right now above my computers. You got me a wonderful, um, drawing from Lee. Um, of the uh, Captive Pursuit episode. Uh, and it's not of a scene that we would think of. Basically, it's the one where Miles punched out the hunter at the end of the episode. It's a great it's a great yeah. little sketch. Um, it's framed and hanging in my office as it always will be. Um, it's, it's, a good, it's a great episode. And like I said, cool transporter effect, man. That is just, <laughs> it's like a double-layered transporter. It's really cool. <laughs> I remember when they showed that in the, uh, in the episode preview the week before. <laughs> you know, like, Next time on Star Trek, Deep Space Nine. Uh, they showed I'm like, whoa, what is that? Yeah. That is super cool. Yeah. Um, but when you consider the story it tells and 
you know, the fact that Cisco just sort of lets one by mm-hmm. after he dresses down O'Brien was probably my favorite scene in the whole episode. Yep. You know, one thing um, I regret about this episode, we never up? saw Tosk or his kind or the hunters ever again. It would have been interesting to see them in some way, some form down the road, even if it was just in passing. Um, but still, it doesn't take anything away from the episode for me. I think it would have been great to see them as our overlords in one of the Mirror Universe episodes. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Yep. I've got a great idea for a cosplay. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> a Tosk Hunter. As long as you got something covering your face, I think I would be fine with that. Um, <laughs> Very well done. Really, whatever you want. Very it, nice. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, buddy, those are our top mm-hmm. five lists. And again, let's put a big asterisk next right. to this because a year from now, some of this could change. Absolutely. As we saw I mean, you've, this week. <laughs> I was just going to say, you've proven that yep. with a quality of mercy from Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Um, who knows what the next year of Star Trek will bring us? And I think that's one of the most exciting aspects. There's a lot. You know, we're going to have to revisit what we think our top episodes are now pretty much all the time. Yeah, because who would have thought we would have so many consecutive weeks of new Star Trek all the time? We got Discovery Season 5 coming, Picard Season 3, Lower Deck Season 3. Uh, oh my God, what am I forgetting? P- uh, Prodigy, the rest of Season 1. Uh, there's just Strange New World Season 2. And two new shows that we don't know about. Oh my God, I'm my head's going to explode right now. I wish. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Well, you haven't seen this episode of The Office yet, but when you get to threat level midnight, you'll know what I'm talking okay. about. Um, <laughs> it, I, you know, the, you've said it so many times here on Trek Geeks. Mm-hmm. There is no better time to be a Star Trek fan. Yep. You know, I'm interested to hear other people's top fives. Um, you know, hit us up on Twitter and let us know what your five favorite all-time episodes are because we'd love to know. Absolutely. And here's the thing. Your top five is the best top five because it's what you pick. It's like we've always talked about. Everybody's everybody's fandom is their own and everybody's top five is perfect. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, Dan, Mm. we we talked some top fives. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's talk our top number one, and that is the number one Star Trek band in the galaxy. Five-year mission. Mm -hmm. Um. We love the guys. Obviously, we all of their albums, um, uh, all their songs. Every you know, every music you hear on the uh, every ounce of music you hear on Trek Geeks is Five Year Mission, and we wouldn't have it any other way. We want everyone to head on out to fiveyearmission.net, buy all their CDs, become a huge fan of this band, download their podcast, which is oddly enough called Five Year Mission, the podcast, huh. and um, and just get Five Year Mission in your ears because you're gonna love this band dan fiveyearmission.net it's worth it check them out they're fantastic love them all um but i gotta say bill i got a very important topic i want to discuss this week and you know we've seen him in tos we've even seen him in short treks he's a conniver bill a musician a drummer a con artist one who even stowed away inside a gormagander to use temporal manipulation on the discovery crew to try to help pay off his klingon debts Wow, he he literally walks to the beat of his own drum. He is the incomparable Farcourt Fenton Mud, or as Stella would say, Farcourt. Yeah. So let me see if I get this oh, straight. Yep. Huh. Farcourt, Farcourt Fenton yeah. Mud. Have you been drinking again, you miserable sot? I, I need to drink to listen to Farcisms <laughs> like that. <laughs> Um, and at this point, uh, I'll, I'll drink anything, water, <laughs> drink, 
Drano, whatever. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow, that was harsh. Um, I'm up, no, I'm, not really. I'm only here for the Farkisms, uh, which you can get at shop.trekgeeks.com right now. <laughs> if you're only here for the Farkisms, you really should listen to the rest of the show because it's so much better. <laughs> I really like this week's one. I'm sorry. I thought it was pretty good. Farcourt Fenton Mud. Fiveyearmission.net. Get all their CDs. Don't forget, of course, you too can become a supporter of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to us on Patreon. Dan, we have so many great supporters, Mm -hmm. producers, associate producers on Patreon. And uh, it's safe to say that without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we do in having an entire network of fantastic Star Trek conversation. And um, it's it, it, it's all because of them. It is really all because of them. We love every single one of them. We appreciate your support. We appreciate your kindness. Um, and and we're gonna we're gonna we, we try to help out and by showing our love back by by having perks for our Patreon members and and they're coming. We actually have the 2021 Patreon pin. It's done. It's ready to be sent out. You're all going to love it. I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, Right now, we want to take a moment to thank our associate producers for the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. We are so grateful for their support, and they are Vikram Bhatt, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Patrick Escudero, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Peter Hong, William Jackson, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Ross McKinney, Jim McMahon, Aaron Mollenkoff, Casey Pettit, Helen Reed, Sarah Rutlinger, Tim Robertson, Desi Rogers, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, Blake Strike, Rick Tatro, Lisa Tomlinson, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Gunny Hutchins. Whom we will see in Vegas in just under two weeks, correct, by the way. correct, my friend. Can't wait. And of course, we want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Mike Bovia. Steve Bovia, or the better Bovia, as I like to call mm. him, Jazz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchon, Matt McGonagall, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Major Self, Casey Shafsky, Terry Shaw, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. Dan, the senior producer of Trek Geeks, is the often awesome Jude Tatman. How about always awesome? Well, often does mean quite frequently. Well, it doesn't mean always. Um, I actually got a wonderful email from Mr. Jude Tatman the other day. Very ha- See how he emails me and not you. I'm just going to say that. Wow. You too can become a producer on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, and it is so easy to do. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Dan, next week it's back to our favorite Cardassian monstrosity, and for once I don't mean you. Uh, Some people call it Deep Space Nine, and we just call it something we love. Yeah, we do love it indeed, my friend. We do love it. We saw in recent Lower Decks Season 3 trailer that the crew of the USS Cerritos will be visiting Deep Space Nine. So uh, we're going to as well to talk about an episode, and not just any episode, my friend. Jadzia reunites with some old friends on a mission of vengeance. Albinos, Kor, Koloth, and gang. It's Blood Oath, and it's next <laughs> week on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks. <laughs> you can't even say no, the name you know, of your own you know network. What I did? I'm going to tell you the reason why, and it's not an excuse, but if you notice, I accidentally have a capital O there in podcast. Oh, I noticed. And I saw that, and I was saying to myself, that's weird, so let's try it again. It's Blood Oath, and it's next week on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks podcast network. 
I was expecting you to say Trek Geeks Podcast Network based on that. Just keep circling, Dan. Yep. Just keep circling. <laughs> For more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out the other member podcasts on the network. We have so many fantastic shows, all created by passionate fans who just want to celebrate Star Trek and Gene's vision. And uh, by the way, you can find all our podcasts in the free Trek Geeks mobile app. And by the way, Dan, mm-hmm. this week we've had bonus content dropped from Rewind yeah. and ConPod mm. and Sci-Fi Sisters coming up very shortly. So lots of great mobile content. Uh, and you're going to have a conversation with Sarah coming up soon. Uh, stuff you can only get on the Trek Geeks app. You can get it at trekgeeks.com slash app. Um, and you can find our podcast on your favorite podcast platform by going to trekgeeks.com slash listen. Awesome. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do. It's amazing. It's like you don't know the tagline is coming every week. And we've been doing it for like over I a year. No, I just want it was awesome that you just had both addresses right at the top of your head like that. One of them wasn't even in the copy. That's because one of us can work without a net. <laughs> of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek show, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, <laughs> this mess has been episode number 287 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. <laughs> the coconut. <laughs> I think I killed Dan. I think so. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. You got a squeaky chair. I know. I got to get a new chair. It's awful. I'll try not to move. Bing bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. Uh, Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. T minus 13 days. T minus 13 days. Thank you. As of this recording. (laughs) Get excited. I started packing. (laughs) I was going to start packing last night, and I was so beat by the end of the day. I'm like, I'm not packing. I got my cosplay uh, suitcase all filled up. I just got back from uh, DunderCon. Yes. The office convention, which I got to tell you, man, it's was awesome. one hell of a time. Look like you having a good time. Um, I, I, they, it's a much smaller con than, than even some of the regional Star Trek ones that we went to back in the day. Mm-hmm. But what a great vibe the room had. That's cool. They did some things that I wish that Star Trek conventions would do. And then there are other things I wish that they would adopt that that Trek conventions do. Yep. So it's the first one. I thought it went amazingly well for a very, you know, initial event. And um, allegedly next year it, it could be in Los Angeles and I'm, I'm ready to go if it is. Oh, wow. That's very cool. I love the fact that you got to meet Mike Starr 
who I did not yeah. know was in the office. I just know him, of course, from like, of course, from Deep Space Nine. I love him in that. Um, I love him in Dumb and Dumber. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him in the office now since you posted that. Well, and he's in Goodfellas. I mean, yes. Yep. Yep. Great um, movie. Probably, probably one of his most uh, identifiable roles. Uncle Buck. Yep. Which I'd forgotten he was the clown. Uh, yeah. I didn't even realize it until like you said it to me. And then I'm like, I said, okay, the only thing I can think of is the clown. And then I started hearing the voice. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's him. Yeah. Yep. So I went over, you know, we went over to him. My wife got her. She has a, um, a, a an office print that she had signed of, of Pam's art show mm-hmm. piece. And she's having the cast sign it, which I think was cool. Yep. Um, I, it's, it's really, really a good thing to have signed because it's so central to the series. And so we went to Mike Starr's table and, you know, he was so, he, he, the guy's a sweetheart. He really is. In fact, he tells everybody, he goes, please tell everybody I'm a nice guy. Because <laughs> he gets typecast as like a mobster. Mobster, you know? absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we went over and, you know, we're getting ready to leave. And I said, you know, Mike, I get first happy belated birthday because his birthday was a week ago. Mm-hmm. And I said, I only know that because it comes up in some of the Star Trek groups. He goes, oh, Deep Space Nine. <laughs> nice. He's like, I loved working on that show. He's like, well, first of all, I'm great friends with Cole Meany. We've been friends for a long time. Wow. But getting to work with that entire cast and, and Avery, he goes, Avery was just amazing. He's like, I had such a wonderful time. He goes, although I got to tell you. He's like, originally, I thought I was going to play a Klingon, and I got so excited. <laughs> He's like, I was I, I was pumped to play a Klingon. He's like, I never had to do makeup before, so I was looking forward to that process, you know, so the heavy prosthetics. Mm-hmm. And then he gets there, and he goes, I find out I'm playing a 1960s <laughs> Vegas mobster. He goes, don't get me wrong. I had fun with it. I had a wonderful time. He goes, but... It's another mobster. <laughs> <laughs> he would be a good Klingon because he's a big guy. Yeah. yeah that would have been great. But uh, he's he's 72. You wouldn't know it. Yeah. Um, but what a he's just a giant sweetheart of a guy. He really is. Which is very different because in some movies, you know, he like bit the head off of a parakeet. So, you know. Yes. <laughs> just yeah. saying. In the office, he plays an insurance salesman who Michael thinks is in the mob. <laughs> I get, what season is that in? Um, five, okay. I think. I'm, I'm getting close. <laughs> it's, uh, well, I mean, it's no spoiler. Really. Pam and Jim are going to get married at some point. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's while they're on their honeymoon. Okay. All right. I'll be looking forward to it. I'm, I'm making my it's, way through season three right now. I think it's the episode right after Niagara, which is the one where they get married. Okay. Awesome. I'll keep my eyes open for him because I love him. I, I'd love to see him at a Trek convention. That would be fantastic. I mean, it was I only so one too. episode, but still he, he had a, he has a great following. There are plenty of other people at Trek conventions. Absolutely. Who who wind up, you know, attending all weekend long and only do one episode. Ron Perlman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are people at Trek conventions who have never been in Trek. That's true too. Yeah. Remember when Richard Keel used to yep. always be in the vendors hall for for Star Trek Las Vegas? <laughs> yep, I do. That's funny. Um, Although somebody's going to tell me he's been in Trek somewhere, so I'm going to let that go. Nah, that's okay. Um, but I mean, uh, Wesley Yore from Land of the Lost, never been in Star Trek. Correct. Great guy, by the way. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just all kinds of folks. That's that's funny. That's very funny. So I, I, I made a decision. Speaking of Ron Perlman, I brought up Ron Perlman a second ago. I made the decision. I think I told you, but I'm going to let the listeners know that we talked about how I'm going to have this crossover cosplay on Saturday where Grand Admiral Thanos, who may be from the Confederacy, I haven't decided yet, um, of the Starship um, Inevitable is going to be making his way around the halls, and I'm very excited about it. I am getting a photo op 
with Ron Perlman on Saturday. And I have decided that I am going to do this photo op as Thanos slash Grand Admiral from Star Trek. Because truth be told, Ron Perlman and Thanos have the same size chin. So it should be pretty awesome getting that, that, that <laughs> picture. So I'm very excited about that. <laughs> I'm amazed you didn't uh, do a Thanos Sons of Anarchy uh, mashup. You know, as Cle- 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 Cleos. Uh, <laughs> if I had, if I had had the time, uh, I probably, I probably would have. Uh, he, that's, I think that's my favorite role of his is Clay and Sons of Anarchy. It's just so good. So what could yeah. have done a Hellboy crossover with a, with an Admiral uniform? That would have been kind of interesting. So. If you think about it, there's a lot of physical similarities between Thanos and the Hellboy character Th- on film. There really are. As a matter of fact, I if you know Josh Brolin did a phenomenal job as Thanos, but I think Ron Perlman would have done as equally as good. Um, but uh, that's okay. That's all right. And then if I can get if I'm able to get the photo op in time, if he's still around, I want to have him autograph it. But if not, not a big deal. What day is the uh, the photo? Saturday's the photo. I'm not sure if he's there on Sunday or if he's doing it. I have to check the creation site. Um, but, you know, if, if you know, creation could, you know, get a little bit with it and have the technology to print the uh, uh, the photo instantly like they did at Mission Chicago, I'm not complaining or anything, but that would be pretty helpful. It sounds like a complaint. Not a complaint. Just an, uh, an observation slash um, enhancement request, I guess we could put it as, since we both work in IT. <laughs> we may want to tell them uh, or not tell them. I wish they'd get with it and say something more along the lines of it would be great if they'd upgrade. Exactly. Uh, to, you know, photos 2.0, so to speak. Photos <laughs> 2.0. <laughs> so, um, rumor has it. Mm. Um, I, I got this directly from the co-founder of Creation Entertainment, Gary Berman, okay. that they are close to a sellout for the Vegas convention this year. Amazing. When's the last time it sold out? The 50th? I think so. That's amazing. Now, how much smaller is this location? Um, I mean, I, they could spell like a jillion tickets for for uh, the Rio, but uh, it'd be interesting to see uh, the size difference. But I think that's great. I think it's I think it's fantastic. People want to get out again uh, and enjoy the Trek family. So I think that's awesome. I think so too. Um, I, I think it's probably at least a little smaller. Um, I don't know that it's significantly smaller. Okay, but certainly enough to. I mean, hey, a sellout is a sellout. Mm-hmm. That says that people are, are dying to go back to cons, yeah. and, and we're among them, because yeah. this will be our first trip in three years. Oh, by the way, Ron Perlman not signing at Vegas, oh, okay. only doing photo ops. All right, that's fine. That's okay. I'm going to get a photo op, and then uh, I'll get him sign it someday when I go to a Sons of Anarchy convention, hopefully if there ever is one, if there hasn't been already. He uh, usually makes appearances at other Comic Cons. Oh, okay. I'll keep that in mind, because uh, he's he's a cool dude, and his Twitter feed is hilarious. Your face is hilarious. It is hilarious, and don't you forget it. I can't wait to get rid of this, though. I'm tired of this, this beard, this, this golf. I thought you were just talking about your face. (laughs) This golf beard is like, so yeah, that'll be coming off in a couple weeks. I can't wait for you to get rid of your face. That will not happen. I am going to get it. Like I'm going to have that, like whatever that thing that uh, Girardi had in season one of Picard, when all of a sudden there were like 50 of her on the bridge. That's what I'm going to get. I'm going to get it for you for Christmas. And it's going to be my face that can never be changed or shut off. Thank you very much. What's her name? Girardi. Dr. Girardi. Agnes. What, I, what do you think I said? I love how you throw an extra R at the end. Girardi. Oh, sorry. Like she's Joe Girardi, former manager of the Yankees. <laughs> oh, Joe Girardi. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Girardi. Sorry. This is my, that's my New Englandness. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because it's, it's just like half of the towns in, in New Hampshire, Massachusetts, people add extra continents to or change them. Like the town Gilmington, which is Gilmington to a lot of people. Yep. My dad used to do one. Um, 
oh, he used to he used to take stuff off. Epping, he would always call Epin, like the the little yeah. apostrophe at the end of it. So one yeah. time we drove by the sign and took a picture of it, and I said, "Hey, Dad, driving by Epping." <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, it's uh, I'd love to say it's a New Hampshire thing, but it's it's, uh, not. it's not. It's not. It's a lazy human thing, or lazy human stupid thing. Anyway, but you're not you're not either of those, human or stupid. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm very excited of two weeks away, buddy. It's going to be great. Looking forward to it. Me too. I um, I I know that there's a lot to do between now and then, but they're largely just housekeeping tasks. Mm. You know, it's just it's there's a lot of them. Yes, there is a lot of them. You are always good at it, so please let me know if I can help. <laughs> well, once we get there, I mean, we have plenty of open time at the con. Do we? Because. Yeah, we do because largely we're in our booth all day oh, long. But I see. I consider that blocked out time. Also, I know that we're well, going to have people to help us. But yeah, you and I are at various points. We're going to go get autographs and photo ops mm-hmm. and lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's a, a period of time where we need to step away, people let us step away. Yeah. So I mean, I don't consider it you know hard fast block time, but certainly we can get away if we need to. That's that's true. Um, our after hours stuff isn't as bad as some years, but man, it's full. It's full. Um, I'm also like trying to watch stuff because I know I got a big trivia test coming <laughs> on Thursday <laughs> and I don't want to look yes, bad. You so, do. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I also have to figure out if I'm going to or not wear the shirt that I seem to always wear whenever we do stuff in Vegas because I got both of them again to bring this year and I'm trying to figure out if that's just going to look bad. I mean, how can I look bad anyway? But you know what I mean? Well, just by showing up. <laughs> um you, you could change up your shirt. Um, I got that new one that I haven't had a chance to wear that I got for last year's convention, which has the print of some of the TOS monsters on it, uh, which is which is something I really yeah. like. So I think I might do that. Do that. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, we're going to have live music. Yes, I, I heard that. That's um, 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 It'll be interesting to see how that goes. It is. It'll be a slightly <laughs> different party atmosphere, yeah. and which is cool. Yep. Um, I, Tommy Rockers usually has live music and they informed us, uh, this week that there actually would be a live band, um, during our party, which is kind of interesting. So we may have to jam a whole bunch of trivia into the gaps. Yes. Fall into the gaps. Which is fine. Yeah. That's all right. We'll, yeah. we'll make it work because we're professionals or at least one of us is. And I'll let the yes, people I am. decide. I'll let the I am. people decide. I'm the people. <laughs> I've made the decision. So one other thing that we should talk about here on the outtake this week yeah, I for one am extremely excited that we now have official Farkism T-shirts available at our store. That is an awesome thing. I've already ordered some. I know that a lot of other people have already ordered some. They're fantastic. I love them. Farkisms are real. Farkism shirts are real. Love it. Farkism shirts are the best thing about Farkisms. <laughs> uh, I got a good one for today. I gotta say, I uh, that remains to be seen. <laughs> I think. If you're going to tell me that this one is the first good one in 287 attempts, um, I've got a hard time buying that. You liked Farquiel. You even said you liked that one. I didn't love it. You, it but you liked it. Yeah, but comparing it to the other ones, it's like lipstick on a pig. <sighs> Your face is lipstick on a pig. That makes no sense. Does, when does it? When do I ever? That's not a defense. <laughs> when is it ever? <laughs> Still. All right, Jerky, ready to do this? Yeah, let's get this over with. <laughs> yeah, don't I know it. 
Shut up.